0: You are listening to the second episode of Waves of Change. Welcome to Waves of Change, the Modern Perspectives in Asian American Psychology. I am Diana Chu, and I'm a drama therapist in San Francisco.
1: Hi, everybody. I am Dr. Man Kitley, and I'm a clinical psychologist here in San Francisco as well. And welcome to the second episode. So today, we have a very interesting topic, a very needed topic, and that is the topic of consent, Uh, especially recently that uh, Aziz, the story of Aziz came out, and that rock the world. We have no idea what's going on anymore. Up is down, down is up. There's a lot of fighting between the genders. What came out from this, at least from my perspective, is a realization about how poorly men and women are communicating with one another and how a very candid and openly clear dialogue is necessary for us to go on because uh, we don't know how to date anymore
0: don't know how to date anymore. oh! Or maybe we are dating in a new way, Lee.
1: Yeah, say more.
0: Yeah. So I, I was thinking a lot about this topic and I, I thought about how I learned about saying no and saying yes when something is inappropriate is happening. How my parents taught me. Or like how the government, you know, in in Hong Kong or in Asia taught people to do it. I remember there was like a interesting commercial where there's like cartoons and stuff telling kids like no means no. When we are thinking about consent, no means no. But it consists of verbally expressing what it is and also physically expressing like what is a no, right? And that's the blurry line that we're charging through.
1: Can you say a little bit more about where you learn? So you mentioned about cartoons and whatnot. So what did you learn from these cartoons?
0: So in the cartoon, it's like two people, a boy and a girl, and then the boy wants to touch the girl, and then and then suddenly it says, and then the girl say, "I don't like it. No." And that's how it how pans out. It's like a commercial in, like, a children's network. And that's how I learned about it. I don't think my parents really did talk a lot about it until I grow up like, as a teenager, and then they talk about that.
1: I see. I can give some—I will give my experience as a cisgender— Yeah, how
0: right. did you learn about them?
1: It's— that's the thing. I don't think I ever was taught that growing up. Oh. Yeah. So as an Asian-American male, uh growing up with a very traditional Confucian family, my parents never talk about, we don't talk about relationship, we don't talk about sex, we don't talk about any of that. So the understanding I had growing up was that I go to school, I get good grades, and I make money, and then... Something happens, like magic happens, and then I have a wife and now I have kids. Not a lot of details was there. It's It's just whenever I have a concern, it was like, well, if you make enough money, you'll figure it out. I never really learned consent. And all I was taught about what was entitled to me, if you will, is that if I am kind enough or nice enough, right? Or if I made enough money, then I'm almost entitled to a wife, entitled to a woman, entitled to children. So Mm. that was the paradigm that I I grew up with. It's been problematic. And when I start dating in America, uh, it was challenging because I learned in school that no means no, when someone says no, you back off, which I, at this point, I think yes means yes. We can talk about what yes means yes later. And I think it's more appropriate way of going about doing things. But back then, of course, no is no. The challenge is uh, amongst my male peers, I get the feeling that if you, the girl says no and you're to not push forward, then you're not a real man. What? And yeah, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. This experience happened to me, in my dating world, where in the beginning, it's hit me really deeply where I went on a date, um, everything was fantastic, had a good time, things kind of get hot and heavy. And then I remember I leaned in for a kiss, and it was kind of awkward for a little bit. And I'm like, hey, you know, what's up? And then she just didn't say anything, and I felt awkward. And because of the awkwardness, I, I just didn't go for it i just kind of all right you know like just hang out and buy i'm out and of course this i was very young back then so i have no idea what i was doing later i remember having the same conversation she's like hey you know like why do you just lean and kiss me and i'm like well because it was awkward and i don't know if you want it and ah. just well you know you just feel it out and just keep i just i just like it when a guy uh you know is really pursuing me I'm kind of chase running away he's kind of chasing me
0: There is a dynamic between the chasing Mm -hmm. and also the dynamic between like uh, what. Well, it seems like you say no, so I'm just not gonna do the chase, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then leave the the other person to be like, but I want you to to be able to push a little bit more. And I agree that there was there was something like that in my mind when I was young as well like I would like the guy to pursue me in a way which is like sexually or physically or like a hug you know that kind of stuff and I think it's it's very embedded to the gender culture that we we live in today in this world
1: I very much agree with you and I think this is where this is why I personally identify as a feminist I don't think society is still there. I think society has moved beyond that Mm -hmm. a long time ago. We just haven't caught up. uh, Our mindset hasn't caught up yet because why do men are the pursuers, right? Why? How come when a woman... Uh, pursues she seems as easy and open a slut but only men can be doing the pursuing yeah i don't understand that
0: well the fact that like uh, people get engaged and, and guys have to propose why why can't be like a girl proposing and it's really hard for a girl to propose because the cultural norm is like i need the guy to pursue me rather than me pursuing the guy. I wonder if it's because of uh, the idea of commitment and how we're biologically like structured, because of like childbearing, like back in the days, like being pregnant and and like how difficult it is to like have like a ten month of pregnancy for women. So that's the reason why a woman would like the men to pursue and to commit before they commit.
1: I, I see where you're coming from i do i will I will argue that it's a very patriarchal mindset yes yeah and the reason why is because it underneath what you just said right, it's this understanding that as a man you you as a woman I as a man you need me I am the more important one on I'm the provider you are fully dependent on me mm-hmm. and it is perpetuated by this evolutionary psychology argument that yes, because you're, you have the baby, you need protection, et cetera, et cetera. I think many years ago in the field of psychology, we do have, ab- we did advocate for it erroneously, I believe. However, if you take a more modern approach, a modern approach to psychotherapy to it is that we don't live in that world anymore. I don't think we ever did. And the reason why is because if you look at only one kind of social Groups like the chimpanzee, you do see that male hierarchy uh, structure there. But mm-hmm. if you take another aspect, the bonobos, where it's more of a matriarchy system, the, who's like who's the father doesn't really matter. The female kind of runs the tribe. Uh, everyone's very sex based. Everyone kind of sex with one another as a way of communicating and apologizing and whatnot. Um, if you see a bonobo society, then you see a very different structure.
0: So are you talking about like the how we perceive things? Actually is it affecting how we understand like the culture and, and and the issues that we're understanding right now?
1: Yeah, I th- I think so. I believe is how we perceive ourselves is what's influencing a lot of these gender stereotype and gender ideals, they are very much harming all of us. Mm -hmm. The earlier you mentioned like, oh, is it the cultural piece uh, wanting to be, what is it? Uh, Pursued as one word, but for the man to commit. The question is, how come a man cannot commit how can a man have to pursue in order for him to commit? Why mm-hmm. can't he commit? Because as a human being, he chooses to. Because out of love or whatever it is, he chooses to commit. Right? Yeah. That's the agency of committing as a person, but not as a gender. And also, how does queer people do this? Right? If two <laughs> guys who who chase who, and then like it's it's, it's re- it doesn't, ma- it doesn't, it doesn't for them. matter. Doesn't work. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, they matter. But the thing is if we have like a, a like a argument that applies to all human beings, this is how gender is this is how gender stereotype is then when you throw in lgbtq folks that whole structure falls apart because it's very gender normative and heteronormative and it kind of brings back the question of why do we believe these things
0: yeah how do we consent now
1: so tell me a little bit more about that what, what do you think how do we do consent now given what we just talked
0: about I think the easiest way is like you say yes, and you mean that you s- you mean yes, or you mean no, and you say no. Um, that's the easiest way. But I know it's like blurry and gray, and there's like the art of pursuing or the art of like love and, and, and dating. It's a push-pull kind of experience. I don't know. You have to really like listen to your body and like look at the other person's body, what they are saying, because sometimes... They could say one thing and the body is telling you another thing. Mm,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And I think we touch upon something important there, which is uh, attunement doing sex.
0: Ah, That's a therapy term.
1: <laughs> attunement is a therapy term, but not sex. Well, you get the idea. Yes. Uh, so attunement doing sex, I think, is... Uh, what happened? Like, I think the main focus in the Z story is that he was not attuned to her.
0: Or they are not attuned with each other.
1: And very awkward, uncomfortable sex. Can happen, or normally it does happen when there's this complete lack of attunement. I think who is it? Sue Johnson, Dr. Sue Johnson talk about this as the, the seal insects, the you kinda get in and get it over with. It's like masturbating someone else's body. Yeah. So yes, complete lack of attunement.
0: So how can you tell when you're attuned? Well, it starts, it starts with like eye contact. It starts with like how you're mirroring each other. There's communication, both verbally and physically. And also the desire, understanding what the partners really needs and wants at that moment.
1: This article a while ago by uh, this guy named uh, Harris O'Malley, or quote-unquote Dr. Love, I love this dude. Uh, he talks about can consent be sexy. And it's, mm. it's, you can look it up, we can go, can consent be sexy is the name of the article. And it's interesting because it talks about how in – a lot of the BDSM community, consent can be done beforehand. So that's one way of approaching it. However, in a more traditional dating scene, yeah, consent can be something as simple as leaning in close and whispering uh, what happens with kissing the neck. So that's consent. Building anticipation it's building tension. What I like about his description is that consent, doesn't have to kill excitement. Instead, consent can lead to excitement. It can breed the, the uh, elusive before to something amazing happening between us.
0: Yeah, and consent could be built into the play. And actually consent is required in order to be safe and create like a space for each other that could explore with one another.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And in order to do that, and I think it kind of goes back to the cultural piece. Mm-hmm. One have to really observe gender stereotypes, and I personally, I mean, I'm sure the audience and yourself, Diana, can see this. But, but right now, that um, I'm someone who's very passionate about gender equality, and yeah, the reason why that's the case is because uh, I, I do remember my mom asking telling me like hey you need to do all these things and you can't show emotion and you do all these things or else girls will not like you and i'm like wow man girls are super mean they have all these requirements like it's like a job interview <laughs> every single time i go on a date, and that's not fun right and it's that mentality that really stops a lot of asian men from having very satisfying dating lives
0: Uh, sexual piece of it. But I am curious about the rape culture, how rape culture is different in different societies, and how can we do something about it? Because rape culture is typically, um, it's all about consent. It's like a, there's no consent involved. That's why there is the act of rape.
1: I want to talk about rape culture and put us in there is because luckily there are discussions about rape here in america in other countries i want to say china um there isn't um, like there's none there's very little almost none and it came out a few years ago that there was a story about uh, how the water world there was free like like a free day anyone can go to water world for free and get like a flooded with like a lot of part patrons that day and i think about 30 women reported being sexually assaulted there. And when they caught the men who did, they're like, well, they're wearing bikini, so they're asking for it. That blew my mind. That <laughs> argument blew my mind. Like, wow.
0: Well- being a woman is tough. <laughs> Yeah, and the cultural piece, I remember when I was young, uh, my mother would tell me, don't go to a guy's place because if you're going to a guy's place, you're asking to be sexually assaulted or like you're asking to be doing inappropriate stuff. That was a really effective way of scaring me. (laughs) To yeah. well, in dating, in dating life, like, and be very cautious when I date other people. I still remember when I was young, I worked in a legal firm, and I was supporting uh, different cases uh, during the summer. And one of the cases, we were, we were defending an alleged rapist. I, as a young self, thinking about, oh, the girl actually went to the guy's place and how can that be not consensual? That is my younger mindset of how I understand consent. It was mind blowing to me right now that I had that thought when I was young, and I was not—I was not exposed to these various degrees of understanding and the complexity of it.
1: Absolutely, and from the way you're describing it, it and I might. Kind of go into psychology mode here. Yeah. Uh, the, with the way your mom expressed to you that hey, you need to be careful of not going to a man's house because you will get assaulted based on something that you did. It kind of help. It kind of pushes you to internalize that uh, if I'm sexually assaulted as a woman, it's, it's my your fault. fault. It's yeah. your fault. Yeah. So when you see other woman, another woman, you know, doing exactly that, then. That, what it called intermittent belief, that springs back up. And then you have these judgments that you're passing on who this woman is and what is right. I think is when a society, a lot of people have internalized that message. A lot of women have internalized that message that if they're assaulted, it's their fault. And a lot of men have internalized that message that if you attack somebody, that's okay. Then that's how you sustain the rape culture.
0: Yeah. It's scary. Yeah.
1: Very much so. Like being a woman is very, very scary.
0: Or well, maybe being a man is also scary.
1: Being a man is it's very being a, being a person is scary. But we're we're being scared about different things. Like the the, the chance of me being sexually harassed, sexually assaulted, sexually harassed is very very low. It's it's not going to happen too often.
0: No, it's it might it might. Oh no! Like it does I, I it does, think...
1: but like it. It does. I'm not advocating for it, but it does. But compared to women, I firmly believe that it's n- the rate. It's way, way, lower. way, way lower. Like yeah.
0: yeah, the statistics tell us that it's way lower. Yeah. We're trying to like uh understand about this topic and there's way much more that we should talk about and hash it out, you know. And I, I'm sure like if we ask another person on the street, like they would have a very different perspective from we, what we are experiencing uh what we learned from when we were young i was curious about what's our next step What should we do?
1: That's a a big question. That's a big question. And this is something that I, in my professional work, try to answer. I do run a consent group for boys right now at a high school.
0: What Do you you, you just talk about consent?
1: Well, I talk about consent as a two-way street. I talk about consent as a way to protect ourselves as men. Uh And also consent to protect women or those who are sexually interested in. We talk about... Uh, how to introduce consent back into courtship, back into dating, back into flirting. Uh, we talk about social media, how to ask for consent about social media, long discussions about very serious, very real topics that's facing not only our generation, but a generation to come. But when, the core of everything that I want to advocate is the yes means yes movement. Mm-hmm. That's something I really believe in. And what that is, is, no means no, but also not saying anything doesn't mean yes. Only the only thing is yes, the only thing that is you have consent is a yes means yes.
0: By saying it.
1: By saying it. Yeah, but confirming it, nodding, they don't have to be verbal, right? They nod at you. Yeah, they go hey can I, can I kiss your neck and then they thrust they thrust their neck into your face yeah okay yeah you got that right but if you don't do that you just don't say anything that does not mean yes that doesn't mean you know okay she, she didn't protest I'm gonna go for it and one question to ask all my students I guess young men is why do you want to pursue somebody who has no interest in you
0: hmm that's an interesting question <sighs> When we're closing right now like we're we we talk a lot about different things like sexual assault, harassment, gender issues, rape culture, a little bit about aziz, a little bit about, about like how we learn about consent when we're young like it it's a very rich topic we might we might talk about it again, I think, but oh, I just wish. Somehow that it could be black and white.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it that will make life much, much easier.
0: But unfortunately, it's not. It's not black and white. It's pretty gray.
1: I feel like the black and white does make us feel safer. Mm-hmm. It does. However, the excitement is rarely black and white. The tension is rarely black and white. It's a lot of time it's in that gray area. So I think a more appropriate or a more functional thing for us therapists to do is to help our clients navigate through that grayness to gain stability in a place where stability is not provided.
0: The gray of consent.
1: Gray of consent.